Without any context whatsoever. How big is too big? Because I'm like, elephant is too big. Have you actually been next to an elephant before? That's too big. That is too big. Yeah, it's like, it's physically frightening. Yeah. And the fact that like, an elephant is the thing that could destroy you if you were to stand beside it. If it just fucking wanted to. Like a hippo can destroy you if it wanted A horse could yeah. destroy you if it wanted to. But a horse isn't too big. Like, I feel like I could punch a horse in the throat and it would matter. I can't punch an <laughs> elephant anywhere and have it matter. You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. And like you could you could punch a shark square in the nose, but yeah. like, you know. But even the, I mean, I don't do fucking open water, so that's not even a problem. Like it's not a consideration. That's fair. Here. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But like there's some things that are just too fucking big. You ever you ever seen a real falcon? Those things are too fucking big. They're scary. They're that they're talons. They're, they're talons. Their talons are, are, like, are bigger than your fucking hand. Yeah. Like too big. Like how big is too big? What's the thing that's too big? Uh, nothing. I don't. <laughs> it doesn't exist. The limit does not exist. <laughs> if you were to have a house that had so many bedrooms in it that you had to close doors and cover furniture up because you were scared of it getting dirty because you're too lazy to clean it, your house is too big. No. I need a fucking castle. That is that is what I need. I if, if my house is that big, my bank account needs to also be that big so I can have servants to clean that shit for me. Or just an army of Roombas. I, can you, I would... <laughs> now imagining just an army of Roombas moving its way through somebody's mansion. And mm-hmm. like once a week just as like a horde. Like along the walls <laughs> and shit too somehow. <laughs> along the ceiling. Yeah. Just like crawling yeah. along. Except yeah. they're like those mini droids where like if you enter the room, they are, they are programmed to exit the room. Yeah, they so scatter. it's like, and they just all turn around and move away from or you. Or just stop moving. If I had an army of Roombas in a mansion, we're so off topic. Yeah. I would I would carve little holes in the bottom of the wall with like little flaps so they could go through them. Just and you couldn't follow. They would just disappear into the secret passages between rooms. Oh my god, I love this because now I'm thinking like in the future. Because like if you think about the like horror movies that we watch, like the dumb waiters in a mansion are like the scariest thing because we don't use them to this day. Uh-huh. Millions of years in the future, they come across these mansions that have these tiny little doors that were meant for Roombas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our stake and claim. On future horror movies. <laughs> this was back before we genetically engineered people that just don't get rid of skin cells. So. <laughs> the future is too big. Little, little hands and fingers can emerge from those cracks and crevices that Roombas use. It's creepy. I Tell like it. Yeah. <laughs> Lord. I've had too much gin. Mine is going to be inappropriate. We should move on. Okay. Yep. Deal. <laughs> to the episode. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on monsters in Dudsons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Casey, and with me today are Megan and Adam, and this episode is called Big B's Giant Updates Size Matters. <laughs> You got through it. You, you did <laughs> We're it. We're all proud of you, Casey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters is going to look at three gargantuan creatures from Big B Presents Glory of the Giants, two colossi, and a gargantua. Before we jump into the biggest of the big, I want to ask something. 
But let me preface by saying I was a dinosaur kid growing up, which everybody knows. And even to this day, I'm absolutely fucking awed by large creatures and structures. It's not quite megalophobia, but the sudden existential awareness of my own like insignificance in the presence of something so large will momentarily but completely flood my entire consciousness when I see a whale or a massive statue or one of those insanely large construction machines. I know you two love giants as much as I do, but I'm curious to know if you feel the same way or is your love for them based on something else? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column like B, A, B. Yeah, <laughs> like, those, like, are, those are the columns, <laughs> Megan, yes. A and B. Like, I, I, like my, I do have an exis- existential crisis when I'm like presented with something that is larger than my own like subconscious. So like it's that whole thing where you see like photos from space and you realize that you were a dot and it's like okay well life is meaningless but that's an existential crisis of like life is meaningless and I hate yeah. everything. But then there's this weird concept of being a I don't know. I have been tall my entire life. I am a tall girl. I and I say that with a like a little bit of grace because I'm not exuberantly tall. I am almost no. 6 feet. I don't even think you're that tall. I like mean, my my <laughs> Second longest relationship now, I guess, is with the girl who's six two. Yeah, but like, like Casey thinks the... I'm tall. Yeah, yeah. Casey thinks everybody's tall. Yeah, well, because she, yeah, yeah. So I have spent an entire life making myself attempt to feel smaller because I am tall and and not a small human being. So it's one of those things where like I enjoy the thought and idea of giants because there's something larger than myself up there that will make me feel small naturally, and I will not have to try. That is why I love giants. <laughs> Yeah, I have that same feeling when I think of space or the ocean. The ocean freaks me the fuck out. I can't, like, I can't Your do existential it. crisis of feeling yeah. too small. Yeah. yeah. I can't do it. Like, when I let my feet, like, dangle straight, I'm like, my feet are going to be gone in, ten- in like, a second. Because something is... is going to just chomp it off. However, I do, I, I don't have it with giants, but I wholeheartedly believe that, like, like, I have envisioned myself dying because a giant just, like, bops me on the head or, like, swings its, like, club and I'm just, like, yeeted, you know? Like, a hundred feet, like, in the cartoons. Mm -hmm. Like, I wholeheartedly believe that is a way of death for me. That's how you're gonna go. (laughs) I used to do this thing whenever I was, like, a passenger in the car when I was a kid because we live in BC, we have mountain ranges, and I used to just picture someone peeking around the mountain. Yeah. Like some fucking oh. huge ass, like size of the mountain, the head just peeks around. You'd see the fingers come around first, and then it would, like, the head would peek around. And it used to, like, I'd be like, wow, that's really neat. And then at one point, there was like a day when I was like 14 or 15 where I went, oh, fuck, no, that's terrifying. That is absolutely the scariest fucking thing that I could possibly think of, and I hate it. I love that you picture, because again, yeah, we come from a place where we're a mountainous range where we live. And you pictured giants peeking around the corner. I pictured every mountain we had surrounding us as a volcano. Oh, yeah? And that we would eventually... I thought I was going to die in a volcano explosion. And, like, that made There's me still time. Small. Like, I remember I would... There was a... The street that I walked down from my elementary school to get to home, you could see Mount Baker. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, clear as day. When you step out front of my place in the middle of the day. Yeah. yeah. You can just see it. You can see it. And in my mind... And every walk home from school I did when I was a kid, I was waiting for that mountain to go. And, like, it's just, like, the weird... Again, it makes you feel small. Because you can mm-hmm. see this mountain, you know it is nowhere near where you are. But if it went, because I can see it, it is going to impact and affect my life. Yep. It's so strange. 
Well, shit, I didn't grow up here, and now I'm traumatized by both of those stories. Oh, mountains. Oh, the, the other one that I used to do with the mountains was the mountain range itself was the spinal cord of a giant. Ooh. And the whole thing would just, well, someday the mountain range would stand up. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah man, welcome to it. Welcome to mountain land. Welcome okay. to giants. Okay, well, let's jump into an info break before this conversation overshadows the rest of the episode. Like, it pretty much just did. <laughs> Mountains, don't fuck with them. Jesus. Hashtag, we're from BC. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on monsters in 5th edition. For all of those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. If you would like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you would like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. This week on the It's a Mimic podcast, well, I mean, I did this already once this week. This is the second episode, so that's it. Enjoy this bonus, because it's a leap year. Yeah. Okay, so we have three giants that we are going to cover, and we better roll to see who gets to go first. Amazing. I'm going black today. Did you just take the yellow one without telling anyone? Three. <gasps> I pulled the Casey. Hold on. All right, I rolled a one. All right, Casey and I are rolling up to goes first with threes. <laughs> Oh, 17. All right, all right, I got a four. All right. First of all, before we get into this, though, Casey, do you know how, like, the size category of gargantuan? Like, they all have different, like, sizes, roughly, but gargantuan doesn't. Gargantuan and tiny just go forever in that direction because of the ends of the scale here. Mm, so Yeah, okay. So anything bigger than a giant. So if, if a giant gets up to, like, 24 feet tall, I think is the biggest storm giant, that's huge size. If you go to like 30 feet up to the moon, it is gargantuan. So there's really no size category here. We used to have more stuff above it in previous editions. We don't now. So these giants we're talking about today are actually all going to be wildly different sizes and they don't give us those sizes. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mine kind of has a size. Does it? Kind of. But it doesn't tell you like this thing is exactly 27 and a half feet tall. No. The way that like 3.5 would tell no, you no, no. stats. Or yeah. it doesn't give you a range. It just says it starts here and could go up. Yeah. 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 And mine actually, to be devil's advocate, does have a height. Yours has a height? Yes. Mine but it's probably the only one, obviously. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> mine does not, but it's bad. <laughs> well tell us about it. Well, I'm gonna go second. Oh, so. Okay, Casey. Oh, first. I get to go first. Okay. So I'm going to cover the runic colossus. Um, so, the Runic Colossus was crafted by the combined efforts of giants from the Ordning, resulting in a gargantuan-sized guardian to protect their ancient empire from a particularly vicious dragon. Hmm. Hill and Stone Giants created the form with stone. Cloud and Frost Giants used rare metal for Fire Giants to use for forging joints and armor. And storm giants inscribed runes all over it to give it arcane abilities. 
Look at that camaraderie and collaboration. We love it. We love it when giants come together, you know? <laughs> it's rare. <laughs> Though today's giants are unable to craft the runic colossus due to the passage of time and loss of knowledge, it is said that the guide to do so may still lie deep in the runes in the ruins of the ancient empires that once stood long ago. So that's just a side quest waiting to happen. Absolutely. 100%, yeah. (laughs) The runic colossus stands 30 feet tall. It has an AC of 20 and is unaligned and truly does have runes covering the forged armor and the stone limbs and there is visible metal joints. So this isn't a real giant. This is a it construct. is a construct. Yeah, okay. it, yes. yeah, it's a construct that's manufactured. And when you look at the art, you can see like the different like yeah, the stone joints and stuff, and yeah, all yeah, the yeah. runes carved sure. into okay, it. Okay, okay, like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yes. And even um, based on the art, it looks like there is seemingly like sparking energy between the metal joints and and to the fingertips as well. Um, it has a massive pool of hit points with an average of three hundred and fifteen a speed of 60 feet, which is double the usual player speed, and is, of course, gargantuan-sized. The stat block definitely indicates that it is a construct with a whopping plus 7 modifier to strength and con, but average or negative modifiers for everything else. It doesn't have a brain. It is a mass of stone and metal. Mm -hmm. So naturally, it also has many resistances and immunities. Damage resistances to acid, cold, fire, and lightning. Damage immunities, poison, psychic, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical attacks. And condition immunities, charmed, exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, and poisoned. Not only that, it has what's called immutable form. It is immune to any spell or effect that would alter its form. So think polymorph, enlarge, reduce, etc. It has magic resistance, which is advantage to saving throws against spells and other magical effects. And it also has siege monster. It deals double damage to objects and structures. So that that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and very challenging. It has dark vision of 120 feet, but a passive perception of 10. That's due to those low stats in that area. It understands giant, but cannot speak. All of that to say this is a CR of 21. For actions, the runic colossus does not carry a weapon. It can multi-attack, doing two slam attacks and then a stomp attack. This is just like, you know, the bopping on the head or the stomping under the foot. We, we're, we would squish. Like nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the idea though that they would not have been taught how to use a martial weapon. Nope, they, they are. They just... don't need to. They just boot you across the room. And yeah. that's the thing is like it's not necessary. They're not taught. They're not intelligent enough to learn how to use a finesse weapon. Nope. Like, like it makes sense that they don't wield a weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so their slam attack is a plus fourteen to hit and has a reach of twenty feet and does three d twelve plus seven bludgeoning damage on a hit. The stomp is also plus 14 to hit with a reach of 20 feet and does 4d10 plus 7 bludgeoning damage on a hit. If the target is huge or smaller, it must succeed on a DC 22 deck save or be knocked prone and 
rest and will be restrained underneath the foot on a successful stomp. <laughs> Until the Colossus uses the stomp again or moves, you are restrained. The imagery of that is hilarious. Yeah. I Squish. love it. That, it really I is. I am giving that to the Tarrasque. I'm going to give that to yes. the Great Worm Dragons. This yeah. is something that's just going to go on everything gargantuan. It's so good. Um, so other creatures can use their action to try and free you with a DC 22 strength check to try and pull you out from under the foot. But that means they will have to come within five feet of you and the foot. I don't know. There might be ones that don't. <laughs> well, I mean, the slam has 20 foot reach, so they're going to get hit anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Additionally, the Colossus fires a beam of magical force from his chest, hands, or head. This is that energy that seems to flow between the metal and the imagery. And the beam is 150 foot line and 10 foot wide. Each creature in that area must, must make a DC 22 deck save or take 9d12 force damage on a fail and half on a success. Thank God it recharges on a 5 or 6. This is the fucking Care Bear stare that's going to wipe your fucking party. And that's the thing is, yes. normally with beam attacks like this, that one, they're not 150 feet, and two, they're normally five feet. So it's like you're targeting one, or you have to luckily be in a straight line. Yeah. yeah. Ten feet Ten. gives you a lot more versatility when it comes to attacking multiple people. Yeah. yeah. Insanity. And 150 feet, like, you you don't even know where this came from. Yeah, when you're, you're carving you. a line through an army is what you're doing. Like, yeah. it's crazy. What are you looking up, Adam? I got a thing. I was looking up a thing. It's okay. Keep going. Um, one final ability is spell reflection. So twice per day, the Colossus can attempt to stop one creature casting a fifth level spell or lower as a reaction. It makes a ranged spell attack of plus 14 to hit with range of 120 feet. And on a hit, it deals 4d12 force damage. And the target must make a DC 15 intelligence saving throw or its spell fails and has no attack. Hmm. No, no effect. No effect. No effect. Which is harsh, because fifth level or lower, you're getting into, like, a higher level character trying to do that. And it's like, ha-ha! And then, yeah. I was going to say, most spellcasters don't get a fifth level spell until they're in their, like, double digits. Right. And even then, it's like you have one or two spell slots. Yeah. So, so imagine blasting your fifth level spell, and it just basically negates it because you roll like shit on your intelligence. Yeah, 100%. It's fucked. Um, yeah. So that is it. It's a, it's a beefy thing that's going to be really hard to hit, and it's going to take a lot of hits to try and do any sort of damage to it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it lives up to the CR 21. It yeah, really does. it does. So let's roll some dice. You bitch. We, we always fight over the yellow one for some reason. And it never rolls well. Oh, so I don't, I don't know why we fight over. I'm going last with a three. Yeah, I got I got 13. Adam got a three. All right, so kicking things off with some role-playing inspiration. Okay, so... I want to be on the same side as this thing. <laughs> I would like to be a part of my army. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can we be friends? Yeah. Why um, can't we be friends? But you really do have to just lean into... The players are insignificant in terms of the size of this, if you're trying to role play it. Like, 
it literally can just stomp you out of existence if it wants. Mm -hmm. So, and you, and it doesn't speak. It can understand giant. So if you can discern that, I don't know, you, you might be able to give it a command to, to stop. Maybe. Because it can understand you. Yeah. So if one of you spoke giant in your group, which in all of our campaigns is somebody <laughs> yes. in our party that Yes, we've established uh-huh. this. Megan, yeah. You could potentially make like a, a charm spell and speak the giant word of stop moving and see if like hope that it's going to stop moving. But it's a CR but 21. That's going to be a tough. And it's con- it's, it has immunity to being charmed. I was going to say it's going to be a tough TN, but that's an elf. <laughs> Megan. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Right, so you almost have to, by sheer charisma and persuasion, see if you can get this on your side, and it's going to be really damn hard, because it's it's a protector, it's a guardian. Yeah. So, I don't know, I I would play it as such. And that's the thing, is like, I imagine them, if you're to roleplay one of these, or do a plot quest that isn't related to the fact of building one, because I think that's an easy hook. To, like, find a way to build one of these things to have it on your side. I imagine this being if you're in a dungeon crawl for something. These are those weird statues along the walls, along the side, that are just not moving for a long time. Mm. But your wizard or your sorcerer who has a high intelligence or what have you notices something weird about them, in air quotes. But or, can't or, uh, tell. Notices yeah. something weird about the one, the last one on the left yeah. is different than all the rest of them, right? And, like, that's your special one that's going to probably activate based on either a trap that goes off... Or a certain sentence or word is spoken by the evildoer who's going to, like, awaken this thing to protect itself. Or, yeah, or you just walk through past the room, right? And it activates it. Like, it's... And you kill that one and then the next one in line wakes Wakes up. up. So, like, then there are 12 of them in the room. That's a good way to make the party run. 100%. And it, it could be used to move them through. Or it could be used as, like, a sense of, like, figure out the puzzle to make it so that not all of them awaken. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. This is totally um, uh, never-ending story. Standing, you must walk between them. Yeah. <laughs> All of the sphinxes. Yeah. 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 Well, there's like they like in, and I've talked about Zelda a few times in the weird in the weirdly enough in the giant series. But there's statues that when you touch they move, but if you don't touch them, that they are completely ignored. And but the only one that would have an like inherently necessity need to touch a statue would be the person of intelligence who is or wisdom that was just like this is interesting i'm going, I'm going to touch, to touch it. this it's charlie yeah it's, well, oh, it, it is charlie yeah, charlie in a nutshell god damn but like that's it's also a, damn yeah yes <laughs> i want to touch it but yeah so like i think that's just a good way to enter them into a campaign like in a like a, a roundabout way like they would be in a dungeon protecting something yeah right? i like it yeah my role playing for this because you can't speak with it yeah. you can mm-hmm. speak at it but you can't speak with it is all of the rooms leading up to it would have murals of this creature and then a bunch of tiny little creatures around its feet that are just stomping on and kicking and smashing. And and so you would see depictions of it destroying entire villages everywhere. And you'd be like, oh, who are these tiny pygmy people? And then you run across this thing. And you would expect that maybe it's like, oh, it was a particular kind of of fire giant because it looks armored right and so these must have been halflings but no this is a fuck off 30 foot tall this is three stories tall Mm, right it it walks among the houses yeah totally agreed cool 
Um, how about let's explore some exploration <laughs> inspiration. How did I do that? Um, exploration. With beauty and grace. <laughs> she's beauty. She's grace. <laughs> so what comes to mind is, yeah, honing in on the runic piece. So you could easily connect some runes on a specific colossus to say something that you're searching for. If perhaps your barbarian has gone down the um, path of the giant, you have some connection to specific runes that you're looking for, for whichever type of giant you want. Mm -hmm. And so you could add in that kind of additional detail to finding the specific runes. And I really like your idea of them being like lining the walls of a giant cavern underground. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the ruins of one of the empires. Um, so you're searching and you're looking for the particular runes that you need to find. And then you have to figure out how to wake it up. Yeah. Especially if you're like wanting it to be on your side. Yeah. It's like, I, that's what I, I'm going with. How do I wake this up peacefully? <laughs> right? Yeah. And because if you wake it up without doing the proper, like, there might be like a, a rune puzzle that you can solve that wakes it up so it is on your side. Yeah. But if you fuck it up, it is going to fight you and kill you. <laughs> yeah. And you will have to run away, essentially. Yeah. yeah. No, and like, it, like, for me, I imagine that if you were going to go and delve into these, they don't have layers, they don't have nests, they don't have any of that. They don't collect shit. They don't have the intelligence nor the desire to do those things. They are literally in servitude to other things or just living in wait until it has a, a reason for existing and moving and, like, traversing the world. Like, so if you were to enter in, like, where they exist, I imagine it's super dusty. Like, all I can picture <laughs> is, like, if we're talking about the mummy, which we've talked about many times on this podcast. What do you mean if? You mean when we when talk we about When we talk about the mummy. Yeah. It's when you delve into, like, the depths where, like, the sand just has piled and it mm. exists. And, like, they've not moved. There's no footprints to be seen. And if you fuck up, this whole entire place is going to collapse in on itself. Because there's magic and there's power here that the people that created this thing are smart enough to protect. So if you somehow got access to it, they're going to protect the area in which it, it, it resides. So you are now traversing an area that is trapped, very frightening to wander through, and it you can't remove it from its space because right. it's very they're huge. Mm -hmm. You can't just walk around with one of these things. Yeah. So, anyways, that's kind of how I imagine it. If you were to go into where one of these existed, is that's the kind of world you're existing in? Is that it's trapped, scary to walk through because someone is protecting the magic that created it. I'm going to take it a step further. Throw down. Like, trapped, yes, but very specifically. Picture a circular room that is 30 foot, like, by 30 foot. Oh, wow, okay. Okay, because these things are 20 foot by 20 foot. Like, that's, that's they're 4 by 4 squares on a map. That's what I was say, 30 feet by 30 feet is not big enough. No, 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 I know. <laughs> so this guy makes up a, like, he, he fills this room. Yeah. And he stands, uh, but... There is a ledge 20 feet up that goes all the way around the room and connects a whole bunch of different tunnels that lead in at 20 feet up. Yeah. Each one of these tunnels, you said it's full of dust, but I think that they're absolutely smooth and they are almost like glass smooth because all of the tunnels that lead into it are about 150 feet long for some reason. And as you head towards it, it just blasts the chest, that beam, right down the tunnel at you. You've got to... Put up with that beam. It recharges on a five or six. Mm -hmm. It's going to take you a couple of rounds, so it's going to recharge. <laughs> Maybe blast everybody twice. 
and you get there and you just see that you got into the room, that's great. You're now within smashing distance. God help you if you fall, because now you're stomped. Yeah. Right? And and you gotta make it into another tunnel and run 150 feet that way. So potentially three or four of these fucking blasts. Ooh. Yeah. That's great. And every time that you want to go into another wing of the dungeon, you've got to get past this fucking thing. <laughs> the saving grace is that you don't have to put up with the stomp, right? It's not really going to get its multi-attack in on anybody, but it's definitely going to be able to reach in and punch into these tunnels if somebody gets stuck in the first 15 feet of them. Yeah. Right? So this thing is just the guardian in the center of this area, and they they built them, they put them there, and they built the dungeon around him. Mm-hmm. And there's never any escape. That's so sad. It's just a construct. It's just a construct. There, there it's fine. Are three, I don't care. It's okay. There, there, there are three kinds of constructs in D&D, and they all get lumped together. And one of them is a sentient construct that's like a Warforged or a Modron or something. And one of them is the, like, automaton The that's, look at me, I'm technically made of metal, I'm a robot kind of shit. We have, like, the nimble right and stuff from, yeah. um, I want to say that is Dragon Heist, where he's just like a metal man, it's just C-3PO. These are androids. And then you've got these stone guardian creatures, right, that are technically constructs as well, but it's like the walking statues of Waterdeep and shit that are absolutely fucking massive. Yeah. But there's no sentence. There's not a soul to this no. thing, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. You can't reason to any degree with them. Mm-hmm. You know? Um. All right, so moving on to uh, combat inspiration, I wanted to... Okay, if you wanted to present a scenario where you could fight this for a while, what I would do is put it forward that, say, this Colossus has been dormant for like 500 to a thousand years Mm -hmm. and in that time the ancient ruins that it has been residing in have caved in some and like say it has taken damage like it has it's been it's been hit in the shoulder and it's lost an arm an arm has broken off Mm -hmm. and so then you would make some modifications to only one slam attack kind of yeah yeah and so then you could maybe give your players a few extra rounds of um, combat to fight it if you're not trying to get it on your side. But yeah. that's what I highly would recommend you try and do if you're having to deal with this get it thing. On your or side. yeah, find a way to just get around it and move on. Charm it. All like, is it resistant yeah. to charm or like immune? Immune. Immune. Yeah, mm. straight up immune. Immune. Interesting. What do you think, Megan? So, I like to talk about what happens when creatures die. Um, so, when it comes to, like, the combat idea and the visual I would give is the fact that there is so much magic coursing through this thing's veins, keeping it upright, that as soon as its, like, internal core dissipates because it's dead, all of these giant pieces of metal are now falling to the ground. Oh, yeah. Dexes. Dexes. Like, it's just crumbling yeah. in front of you? So, especially cool. if this, if you're talking about how you mentioned if the... Um, underground cavern is built around this thing. Sorry, Adam, you were talking about that. Is if it suddenly was to die and start to crumble, so does the area and so does the temple Ooh, or so yeah. does... Because it's holding this thing up with all this magic that's imbued into it and you're going to have like a finger hit the ground. You're going to have like a grieve, fall, grieve plate fall and you're making a deck save to get out of its way. 
Right. And that's going to be your, now you're trying to escape from this place because it's slowly collapsing around you and you only have so many saves and so many rolls, or it's going to be one of those like, um, uh, ability checks to get your ass out of there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Skill challenge. Yeah. Love a good 100%. escape. <laughs> yeah. Adam. Where are you going? Honestly, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, if you don't come at it with Thunder Radiant or Necrotic Damage, you're fucked. Yeah. Like, you're just, you're, you need magic weapons. You're done goofed. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, um, it is not resistant at all. It's, like, immune to a bunch of shit. So, like, you can go ahead and hit it with any mundane sword or shoot it with any arrow and nothing will happen. Because right. it's just straight up fucking immune. So, it's just going to bounce off of this thing. I'm going to try to capitalize on the arcane beam as much as possible. That's the first thing that you hit it with. That, that spell reflection, the reaction it can do twice a day, it's so fucking iconic. You're up at CR 21 anyway. Your players, by the time they're fighting this at level 19 or higher, depending on how beefed up that you've got them, they're going to be able to last the 315 hit points because they're doing 80 around right it's like each right for their first blast so you need these resistances and these immunities to not go off you want to be able to shut down your spell casters and then you want to just absolutely fucking stop them this is another one that is built for shutting down spell casters and beating the shit out of them right so i want there to be a grapple there's no reason that i can't do it but i would like there to be and it's just a hand wrapping around the body and, yeah and <laughs> and throwing you under its foot Right, tossing you to the ground, 20 feet to the ground, 2d6 damage, and then stomp. You fall damage and stomp damage, yeah. So I, I really like the idea as well that there's some smarmy fucking cloud giant that leaves you a warning before you get in here that just says simply, we will rock you. And as you get close, <laughs> you hear the slam, slam, stomp. Slam, slam, stomp. <laughs> and you think that it's because it's a giant stone thing, but no, he fucking rocks your shit too. <laughs> Oh boy, I love that. And I I want to play into the, the arcane beam. I know it, it doesn't really say it's light, it's magical force. But say it's like, it's a beam of what looks like moonlight because there's this one hole in the upper region of the ruins and it's underneath. And like the neighboring village has just believed that this is some sort of like sign that's always been there. And then it's just this poor construct that got like frozen in time and has this beam from like its head up into the sky. Okay, so in Legend of Zelda, uh-huh. <laughs> tell us more about the only video game you've ever played. Apparently, this is only, it's like yeah. according to giants, but there is a temple called the Sand Temple, and essentially there is a giant that sits in the middle with its hands that are outside of the temple. And then each hand has a different magical item sitting on it. So you have to find a way up this like gargantuan statue of a giant to get these magical items. And one of them is a shield that absorbs sunlight and then emits magic. Okay. So <laughs> you you could do everything that you're saying. It's been done. Okay. You know, and I have not played that game. You know what I want to do is I want to make this guy lay down. There's a... 20 foot deep, but very long, like reflecting pool that leads to a giant statue that is holding a couple of items on it. And you know that statue is alive, but you're absolutely fucking wrong because this guy's lying down in the pool. 
Yeah. And you Boy. go to get one of the things, and it stands the fuck up behind you. Yeah. Right? yeah. Blocking your way to the exit. <laughs> and of course, this pool would be long enough, say like 150 feet, that you would have to fuck with that <laughs> shit. Approximately yeah. 150 feet. It's almost like I design encounters around the abilities of the monsters. How strange. I don't, don't understand. <laughs> yep. All right. Very cool. Okay. Moving on. Who is next? Oh, that'd be me. Buckle the fuck up and get ready for the puke bags. I'm so scared. Because we are talking about the Flesh Colossus. Way back in the ancient times, wizardly giants tried to put their fallen comrades to good use by resurrecting them, kind of, but not really. (laughs) They took the parts of the body that they could recover, combined it with other giant parts, and stitched the whole amalgamation over a gargantuan adamantine skeleton. Thus, the CR-20 Flesh Colossus was created. In the chest of this fucking nightmare is a stone sphere that houses spirits from each of the elemental planes. On the outside of this fucking nightmare of sloughing flesh and reattached limbs are all sorts of body parts that have been attached. But not like a troll reattaches limbs, like at the shoulder or joint, but rather... Instead, arms, hands, and any other recovered parts are sewn into the often ripping quilt of flesh that acts as the flesh colossus's skin. So an arm would wrap around, sewed in, all the way around the perimeter of, of the arm and hand mm-hmm. to continue to make this, this outer shell. The good news is that it does wear a loincloth for decency's sake. <laughs> We love a good decency Yeah, loincloth. however, the bad news is that this implies genitals were added at some point, and at gargantuan size, you're probably looking up into the swinging fleshy bits as you attack, so enjoy that fucking nightmare. But this was a long time ago. It's not as if these things are walking around now, except when they are. They inhabit areas, items, and, se- and secrets that they need to guard, so be wary of any long-forgotten dungeon of giant secrets with extremely tall ceilings. You might end up facing down one of these constructs. Now, they're unaligned, and that's just because they serve a purpose, not an agenda of their own. Their AC is 14 due to natural armor, not because you're likely to miss it. They have a 16 D20 plus 112 hit points, which is kind of low at this level, but the rest of their shit makes them scary enough, so... Strength and constitution are scary high, wisdom and dex are average, and intelligence and charisma are low, but they're not abysmal. It understands giant, but it can't speak it, and it's technically smarter than a hill giant, somehow. They move a whopping 60 feet per round, they've got dark vision out to 120 feet, they have advantage on saves against spells and other magical effects. Combine this with their immutable form that keeps them from being altered in any way, and the fact that they're immune, immune, to lightning, psychic, non-magical attacks, both poison damage and poison condition, being charmed, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, and petrified, and this siege monster is an absolute pain to deal with. Get those magic weapons handy, and choose your spells wisely. For its multi-attack, it can use its fist attack twice, you will get double-fisted, and this alone would be enough to make some players shrink back. But with 20-foot reach and 3d6 plus 7 bludgeoning damage, you're welcome. And you've, and on top of that, you're pulled 15 feet towards the Flesh Colossus and then grappled and restrained until you pass a DC 17 escape check. Both of its hands can do this, so that's a fucking problem. It can do two creatures at once. Out of context with the imagery, 
phenomenal. Within context, with the imagery, not great. <laughs> it, it's it's the hanging flesh off of the metal skeleton that is just going to, like, when it grabs you, you know that that flesh is just going to, like, like work its way around your whole body. And it. you're going to sink into, like, a quilt of flesh. You, uh... But it also has more tricks uh, up its sleeves. It's sagging flesh sleeves. Recharging on a five or six, the elemental breath that it has is a 90-foot cone that requires a DC 21 deck save against 98 acid, cold, fire, or lightning, whatever the DM chooses. Also, anyone within its chest cavity takes 98 force damage from the elemental energy swirling about. That's right, I said inside its fucking chest cavity. As a bonus action, the Flesh Colossus can bite any large or smaller creature it has grappled, doing 3d6 plus 7 bludgeoning damage and swallowing the creature whole. If you're swallowed, you are restrained. You have total cover from shit going on outside your new fleshy home. And you and you take 3d6 force damage at the start of each of the Colossus's turns. And this is likely to happen because it is going to grapple you, which gives it advantage on the bite. So it grabs two players and it eats the easiest one. Next round, it eats the other. Oh no. <laughs> Now, only two creatures can fit inside of it at a time. <laughs> and they share the space with the stone sphere core that powers the damn thing. I'm so glad you paused. <laughs> it's all for you. It has a DC of 16, 140 hit points, and it sheds dim light in a 10-foot radius and is immune to lightning, poison, and psychic damage. That's the sphere core that is just in there. Yeah. If the core is destroyed, the Flesh Colossus regurgitates the swallowed creatures in a sp uh, within a space of uh, 10 feet within it. So, they land prone. And the only other way out is to kill the Flesh Colossus and crawl out the closest end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and one other last detail. Just because you killed the stone core doesn't mean you've killed the Flesh Colossus. In fact... There doesn't seem to be any benefit to destroying the core, except getting vomited out as a result. But even then, you can still be swallowed again, this time with no item to break, and the rules as written, the elemental breath, still technically works. Although honestly, I'd lose the, the elemental breath if the players inside managed to do 140 fucking damage before yeah. the Flesh Colossus is reduced to zero hit points. Like how, like the amount of rounds it would take even two, like, players to yeah. do 140 hit points to destroy it. it. I don't Action know. surge, like, you gotta get the like shit going. Like, anything yeah. and everything. Yeah. Punch it to it's death. a whole nother battle going on inside. Exactly. Ugh. And um. remember, you do want to reduce it to zero hit points, this, this Flesh Colossus, because if it's still alive and kicking when the core is destroyed, then it goes berserk, where it charges at and attacks the nearest creature, now with advantage, if there's no one within 60 feet that it can see, then it just breaks an object. And remember how I said that these things are siege monsters? That means double damage against structures and objects, so the roof is fucking coming down. Yeah. That's Another what... escape from a collapsing... Yeah, so you just get out of the inside of this thing to find that the you got to get out of this room too. Right? This is a fucking gross nightmare of rotting stitched together leather flesh that is just going to grapple and restrain and separate the party. Oh, disgusting. 
All right, let's roll some dice and talk more. Hey, let's look. do it. Hey, look, a yellow one. I'll take the black one from you. <laughs> oh, I rolled a one. I got a 20. <laughs> oh, 12. All right. All right, Adam, kick it off with uh, role-playing inspiration for the Flesh Colossus. It understands giant but can't speak, and I don't think it fucking matters. You are food. And it's not like there is a hunger that it needs to satiate. It's not like it's got to keep the calor- like the caloric count up on this. It's not alive. Not really. So this, I almost wish it was undead. It's close to it, hey? I have trouble picturing this thing breathing, considering there are no lungs inside the chest cavity with you and the stone core right that you have there. Yeah. So I'm... But as far as as role playing goes, nah, just no. Like yeah. it, it it sees you in charges. That's what this thing does. Yeah. This is hostile. <clears throat> it's unaligned. Whereas the runic colossus seem to be a guardian. This thing is a berserker that is guarding something. Right. Yeah. Feel that. Yeah. It's like it's been unleashed in a region for a specific reason, but it doesn't know it. Mm. It's just, it's been turned out <laughs> into guarding something, protecting, like, an area, but it doesn't know that. It's just in the region where you must go through it, of course, in order to get where you need to go to find the people, to save the people, to find the item. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love that it's one part siege weapon, one part barbarian, one part elemental, and one part giant. Yeah. On top of and one part undead, and but it's all yeah, a construct, right? right? Like, there's so much going on thematically with this, but it doesn't interact with anything. It's mindless. Yeah. Yeah, and it's gonna take quite a few rounds, I would say, to figure out what actually works against it. And in that time, somebody's gonna get swallowed. <laughs> I, I, I think the intelligence of it of. of Six is not for role playing. It's not for speaking or communicating. No. You're not going to be able to convince it to not do a thing. You certainly can't charm it. You're not going to frighten it. So the intelligence there is so that it has enough wherewithal to target the squishy player first. Or the one that hits it is probably the like the hardest will probably be the one it focuses Find on. Find its primary enemy. Yeah. It's basically yeah. all it's really going to be able to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> I, like, I would focus in on the, again, the elemental core. Just because I like the idea that a bunch of, like, elemental gods were imbued into this thing. And let's say, like, for a good plot hook or a party story is that your god has been pulled into this, into this chat, into, like, this Mm. orb. Okay. And now your goal is to go and find this thing and retrieve the orb. Not destroy it. But kill this thing to the point where you can retrieve you can the orb harvest, and harvest your god. Out. I, I, I have a couple of thoughts on that. Because then the <laughs> flip side of that is that you find this core... Unleash your god, but you unleash all other kinds of shit onto the world because you've now unleashed all the gods that are attached to this core. I was about to say, we have the Princes of the Apocalypse right out of the book. um, Shit, what's it called? Princes of the Apocalypse. Yeah. And the Princes of the Apocalypse themselves are gargantuan elementals Mm -hmm. that are just like walking pillars of fire or wind or water. So if these things were like restrained within the core... This thing is CR-21. They're all the same level. You, like, break this and four fucking things come out. You thought this was the end of the campaign? No, you got more shit to do. Oh, my God. But even then, if you didn't want it to be that brutal, you know what else is an elemental that we never talk about? Genies. And there are four (laughs) of them. Each one of them 
directly corresponds with one of the four elements. So cool. So. Oh, please don't do this to us later. <laughs> oh my God. That's cool. Please don't. Yeah. That's an interesting exploration piece, but let's dive into that more. Um, I, well, that's terrifying. Um, I also, okay, I'm going to go into a bit more body horror here because I like the idea of after you've gone through a few rounds, you maybe have done a little bit of damage or you've made it move a lot more than it has in the last while Mm -hmm. and it swallows something. But in the current battle, the flesh has kind of pulled away. And so you, if you're close enough, can see glimpses of your your like friend inside the rib cage and you can see the glow is starting to emit not just from the mouth but like in shreds along the sides of I it. I love it. Like it has a almost an elemental aura around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the more you like slash and try and like get that flesh to pull apart, the more you can see inside. <laughs> And so, like, you're starting to see, okay, maybe there's something inside here we need to deal with. But then you see your friend, and your friend is just, like, hacking away at this thing. Like, hey, buddy, what's up? Yeah. The, the worst part is they're not going to be able to get far because they're stuck in the chest cavity. With adamantine rib cage, that is a prison. You're not hacking your way out. No. Even if the thing dies, you got to crawl out an orifice. Ooh, that's why it says, it, like, that's why that weird, awkward, you, out of whatever exit you can find, yes. sentence yeah. comes from. Yes. Yeah. But if you have a tiny si- or small-sized player who has Dimension Door, oh, yeah. could reach between the ribs if they can slash enough space, touch the person inside, and Dimension Door them out. Or any sort of Misty Step scenario. I like that. Yeah. Could, could be a, a, an annoying, like... Out. <laughs> so, for my exploration idea, imagine that this thing... It's, so, your average giant is huge size. This thing is colossus. It There is no size limit to this. Mm-hmm. If you look at the actual picture of him holding something... Like, he's, he's holding a tiefling in the palm of his hand. And the tiefling is almost entirely invisible. Because it's, it's in the grasp. This thing is four to five stories tall. It towers over the runic colossus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, how many giants did it take to make this fucking thing? Yeah, because look at the hand sizes. You're going to go to one of those, like, giant graveyards that exists. You know what I mean? Like... So, so my thought process is there was a giant that had tattooed on his body a map of where you need to go in this complex. And then he died. And they pulled the pieces apart and stitched them back together wrong... And you have to kill this thing and harvest the flaps and put the map back together. Harvest the flaps. No! Like, this is like some like water world bullshit. Absolutely. <laughs> but I would as a DM like, okay, you guys have done a successful medicine check, successful um, sleight of hand. And I would have all of these pieces that I've like laid out as a puzzle. You guys put the map together and I would hand it out to you. But every time that you fail, I rip off a tiny piece. So you got to try to figure out how everything fits together. Ugh. Yep. That's the worst. And then you'd have to stitch it together and take the map with you, and it's probably the size of a fucking blanket. Yeah. yeah. Rolling this up and putting it in your bag and it holding. Yeah. It would stink so bad. It's so it would, gross. It would smell like pickles. <laughs> Why because pickles? I, I just assume it would be like a formaldehyde kind of. Yeah, that's fair. Gross. To, uh, to preserve. All right. What do yeah. you think, Megan? We're still talking about exploration yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Uh, if you have anything to add. Yeah. I mean. 
hate it. How much do you love this? <laughs> it's so gross. And I just, I, okay, so my exploration piece would be like, how do you come across one of these things? And when it comes to what would build one of these, you might have encountered this person multiple times in a longer campaign. So it's going to be that smaller, big, bad, evil guy that you come across who's like in a small place and like... There's not a lot to that person's layer other than the fact that there's large random body parts. It's like you ran across this guy 15 sessions ago and fought flesh gold. It's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, of. okay, cool. Is it is this person? Oh, it's leveled up. Yes. Hard. Yeah. Okay. But like to the to the umpteenth degree of it is building one of these giant versions of a flesh golem. Could you imagine that like you look inside its mouth and it's not teeth, it's a bunch of human skulls? Yeah. <sighs> or like I've had a lot, okay, someone, I watched someone do a tattoo the other day of, like, a child's, like, baby skull, like, when they have, like, the two rows of teeth. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, they're so gross. That <gasps> x-ray is Why? so gross. Yeah. Well, because when you're born, you have two rows of teeth. In no, your skull. I know, but why would you... What, a tattoo of that? I don't know. People are weird. But, like, also, all I can imagine now is that one of these flesh golems would probably have, like... like, it, like it, I just hate everything about it. Yeah, I also really dislike that they put, like, a little tuft of a hand on the top of the head. It's like a top knot, but it's a hand. Yeah. Like, fuck no. There's too many hands going on around here. Are, are you looking at the midsection where there's a full-on fucking human that has been just, like, nailed to the fucking side? That's disgusting. Oh, but there's little bits of hair, Adam, on this one. I do enjoy it. On the, on the, on the, on the, the back little... side. <laughs> it looks like. Good, those little good sprigings of hair on the, on the buttocks. Good for <laughs> him. It helps him navigate. Yeah. You feel that it's breeze like, on his cheeks. It's like yeah. whiskers. <laughs> oh my Ew. god. All right, combat inspiration. Adam, I will let you go first this time. <laughs> okay, so um, first of all, you need to get that double fisting in as often as Jesus possible. Christ. Because that's going to lead you to the biting, right? So the idea is that it's not even like you get to bite and eat on the next round. This is a bonus action. You hit twice and you don't just like slam. Your whole fist comes down around a person, grab them. You have one in each hand and then you're just like, as a bonus action, I'll... And you're stuck inside. This fight will have an inside portion to it. Yes. And the, here's the issue. You have split the party. <laughs> Again. Out of context. <laughs> Delightful. In context, not great. <laughs> Pop off. Yeah. You, you have split the party. So the idea is that you get to do this twice. The average party is what? Three to five people? That's half the fucking people. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, maybe more. You could have one dude outside fighting this whole thing by himself. Yeah. A lot of the times when I see CR21, CR20 around there, I go, eh, they can take it at level 18. They can, they can do this. Hmm, not sure about this one. This one is built to split the party and fuck you up. Yeah. And every time that it does an elemental breath, it recharges on a five or six. Every time it does that, it also damages the people inside, who then also take more damage on their next turn, mm -hmm. right? Like, it just keeps fucking giving over and over and over. The damage rolling off of this thing is crazy, and it's resistant to spells. It goes berserk and has advantage on attacks later. Like, there's wow. there's no way... When you destroy the heart... So here's the thing. You destroy the, the core, and it vomits you up. But then it gets advantage on the attacks moving forward. It's just going to scoop you up, put you right back where you fucking were, and you fell out prone... So you're clearly not outrunning its 60-foot movement speed, even if you're a monk or a rogue with dash, 
because you have to burn half your movement getting up. Yeah. Right? Like this is an issue. This is a this is a character killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the damage, like as a DM, you can tailor the type of damage to just be more hurtful. And then a lot of it is force damage, yeah. which is one of the main damages that people can't defend against as well. So And I love it. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. love it. <laughs> And again, we're we're in a position where they don't have a weapon. It's just them. It's just being them. Yep, it's just the fisticuffs. Yeah, you explained it pretty well. I don't know. I think that's that's exactly how you got to play it. It's devastating. You know what it's missing? It's missing a charge attack. I would like it at sixty foot movement. I would like it to fucking charge. Mm. All of that that skin just like jiggling and flopping as flapping it in the wind. Oh. Yeah. Running. yeah, yeah. It, you you can hear it flap 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 as it gets closer. Yeah, you hear that but, in the distance. In the but darkness. it would be thundering too because of the size of this thing. It would be like loud, loud slaps of of skin the, on skin, the fleshy skin. I'm not the good way. No. Not in the good way. Not in the macaroni and cheese kind of way. No. No. Megan, you have such a look of disgust. I'm not a fan of it. And like, I, okay, even just looking. Why? Is it the grappling? It might be the grappling. But even just looking at like the imagery of the fact that its hands are built from the hands of other things. Yeah. So it has like singular claws from like another creature that has. Yeah. And I'm imagining what creature has a claw that large. Right? And what this thing had to kill to get, like, a hand where the claw is large enough that it fits on a gargantuan creature. I actually assumed that it wasn't included in the stat block, but it should be. That would be the adamantian, uh, the adamantine like skeleton, a, like, sticking out and sharpened yeah. from the end of it. Oh, oh yeah. So gross. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, anyways, that imagery alone just makes it, like, fucking frightening to try and attempt to fight. So this is one of those ones where I'd be like, don't fight it. I would run away from this. Unless you specifically have a quest, again, to release your god from this core that this thing has, I wouldn't even approach it. Like, yeah. there's no reason. This is like Tarrasque level of bullshit. I want this mini, and I want the mini to have the chest open up so you can, you can put smaller in. minis inside of it. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, cute, that's cute, cool. Cute, 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 cute. I like that. Well, and I guess we, we've we talked about the adamantine and the, the how you can basically like pull this flesh outer coat off. Um, it If you were successful in destroying it, there could be a lot to loot here in terms of the adamantine. If you could I it, was right? going to say, like my... Dan alone, Dan and Charlie are going to waste 45 minutes in game <laughs> harvesting the fucking metal bones out of yeah. this. Putting yeah. one big ass femur at a time into a bag of holding. Yeah. Like our characters would be like, we're done. Move on. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and we're not I'm here. traumatized. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> Fuck well, this place. Well, Megan just spent the last seven rounds swallowed. That's true. So. And dead somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Inside. So, dead inside. Dead inside. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that's one difference between um, the uh, runic colossus and this one. Is the runic colossus would... Maybe maybe you could try and dig out some of the metal joints if you defeated it. Yeah. But this one maybe has a bit more value with harvesting. That's true. Yeah. All the pieces. Yeah. All right, moving on to the third and final... Colossus. Colossi, but it's actually a gargantua. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. And this is basically a giant giant. Wait, what? A giant giant. So let me explain. Why? (laughs) 
So once in a blue moon, or millennia, or should the gods will it, our Gargantua is born to a lucky pair of giant parents. They are seemingly normal throughout childhood as they act the same and look the same until adulthood where they do not stop growing. They can grow up to 40 feet tall and sometimes more. So again, that's where that kind of like gargantuan size comes into play. They can get up to 40 feet, but they could go much, much taller. Due to their huge giant status and being rare, they tend to leave their colonies and seek shelter and comfort in places that can house their enormous selves, such as like a Grand Canyon or a large forest or some kind of a mountainous area where they can comfortably live because of their ginormous size. Some even venture down to the caverns of the Underdark. So, you know, kind of fits within the theme of, of, of a few of our episodes with these new giants. For alignment and mood, it can literally go either way. They're either peaceful or they just like where they like to live a quiet life or they are super angry and they lash out. There is really no in-between for them. Uh, even the art in the book suggests that they are peace seekers. It's one of my favorite pieces of art in this book, to be honest. The animal for scale is a tiny little deer <laughs> just hanging out at its feet. That is a massive buck that is just hanging out at its feet. Yeah, it's true. Ma yeah. Well, I mean, you know, for, I guess for scale. This is the difference <laughs> between female scale and male scale. <laughs> what do you mean it's tiny? It's a buck, Megan. <laughs> just a tiny little deer. It's fine. It, like, barely reaches its ankle. It's, it's not a even fucking like stag. <laughs> is an average sized deer. <laughs> What's the title of this episode again? Size matters. There Adam. it is. Average is fine. Average is fine. I know why this is your favorite piece of art. Look at the size of those hands. <laughs> Don't call me out like that. <laughs> All right. But on top of that as well, like, again, if you're looking at his hands in the imagery in the art, he is like, having a good time with some birds floating around. Like, he just looks super peaceful and super happy. Like, and it's it's my one of my favorite pieces of art in this book, and I really hope that it's not AI. <laughs> I don't think this one is. I also think that, like, the look on his face uh, with the hand is just like... Birds. Why? <laughs> why so upset? Yeah, or, you are so small. Yeah. <laughs> you are so small. How is this something living? <laughs> And like, again, the way they look in the imagery is it, it is very much in their history that as they grow, their skin turns more purplish and they do grow horns. So in the imagery, you will see that that is technically what they look like as they continue to grow. Um, so in the histories of the giants, no one really knows why this happens. So there are a lot of rumors and grumblings, such as a rumors. <laughs> I like how I said that word. Rumors. Rumors. Um, so no one really knows why this happened. So there are a lot of rumors and grumbling, such as like Anam himself has created them to destroy his descendants in which he hates, or they are created by the descendants of the children themselves of Anam as a way to retaliate against their father's punishments against them. So you could really go either way as a DM when it comes to the creation of this and as to why the colony believes one of these creatures was to be born. But that also like again, placates the idea that these will not want to live within the colonies they exist in because depending on the histories that they their family believes in may look at them as a curse and cast them out. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, you are a curse upon us because you're a child of Anam. Get the fuck out of here. You're going to destroy us all. Or mixed in with they may worship them and like care for them. It, de it just depends, right? You can go one way or the other. <clears throat> tragic. It is very tragic. I love a good tragic story. I also like that they're linked to Fomorians because uh, the it says here about... Uh, Karantor, yeah. which is the Fomorian god, 
who like maybe he made these things, and I mean the purple. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah, and again, they do true. go. Some of them do go down to the underdark yep. as a result of like needing to find a place to live, right? Mm -hmm. So it does fit. However, so going into rules as written, these are considered yeah. rules as written. These are considered gargantuan aberrations with almost four hundred hit points and a sixty foot walking speed. Starting with stats. Um, Starting a little stats heavy because they do clock in at a CR of 21, similar to like the, the, the other creatures we've talked about today, as they are seemingly just strength-based with a strength of plus 8 and a constitution of plus 8, but they also have a plus 3 in wisdom and a plus 4 in charisma, which is due to a cute little charismatic, but uh, also remember that D&D charisma is also like involved in intimidation, so it could go in either way, in my mind. It, yeah, it's willpower, right? Yeah. Charisma should be called willpower. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, but the Wisdom and Charisma will come into play here in a second, kind of, as there are some reasons as to why, because they do have psionic magic capabilities. Uh, first they have what's called a weird aura, which is a 30-foot aura surrounding itself, and when someone enters that aura or starts their turn there, they make a DC save of 19 for Wisdom, or else the Gargantuan itself will appear as the person's worst fear or nightmare, and they will take 5d6 psychic damage and is frightened. So... I'm afraid of spiders. That's not your worst nightmare. But could you... What is my worst nightmare? Spider people. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, like, now imagine a fucking gargantuan 40-foot tall spider. Okay. Hard pass. Really? Spiders are your number one thing? And the dark, but you can't really... The guard, you just, like, create darkness, I guess. Put you in the dark, you can hear the spiders? Fuck off. <laughs> you can die in a respectful fire. Or you can feel them crawling up the back of your fire. shirt. <laughs> Um, I love an aura. We love... <laughs> <laughs> I love an aura. I love an aura. <laughs> it's like you don't even have to fucking do a thing and you cause damage. I just love an aura. Just, this is just a fuck off to the barbarians and yeah. I have to get too close. Uh, yeah, I hate it. Um, at the end of the day, if you decide to fight it, it does have a multi-attack with two slam attacks or it throws rocks. Oh, yeah. It does. It throws rocks, bitches. <laughs> uh, but what's cool is they do have bonus attacks. Uh, one is called the Baleful Hex. Baleful Howl? Baleful Hex. Oh, that's, that's a throwback at I this know. point. I uh, But this means that the Gargantuan can pick up one person within... Sorry, pick one person, not pick up oh, one person. I got really excited I know, sorry. <laughs> pick one person within 120 feet that will make a DC 19 wisdom save or be incapacitated until the end of its next turn. Just a... A, spit a curse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it can also fucking teleport as a bonus action. How far? 120 feet. Jesus. And there's no limit. There's no recharge, nothing. It can just teleport as, as a, bonus a bonus action. 120 feet. <laughs> but there's more, as they also have reactions. So they have what's called Flick. This one you're going to fucking love. Which is, it's adorable. If the Gargantua takes damage from someone within 20 feet of itself, so that can include, in my mind, spell damage, range damage. Yeah, or yeah. Like any whatever, damage. Any damage. It will flick them away. As it, <laughs> It's a DC 23 strength save and take 3d6 plus 6 damage, but doesn't sound like a lot, but you are then flicked 100 feet away and knocked prone. <laughs> <laughs> You are yeeted with a flick of a finger. Yeah, it's like, burp, you're gone. <laughs> and you would miss the rest of the fight if you survived. Yeah, what? Well, yeah. Like... But you, and it's like, okay, you spend the next five rounds returning to the fight. <laughs> now, this is a point of contention. We've talked about this in the Discord. 
I've talked about this with with many different people. When you fly horizontally, do you take the same amount of damage you do with fall damage? Because fall damage is 1d6 every 10 feet you fall. If you get flicked 100 feet, do you take 10d6? And I always say if you're going horizontally, it's half that much. Yeah. So 5d6? Yeah, because, like, you do need to, like, in order... you wouldn't be, you'd have to stop you know, somehow, you know. And yeah, you wouldn't and, and, be one foot off the ground to go a hundred feet. No. Like there needs to be an arc. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would do the same rules. That it would be half fall damage. So, yeah, I agree. Interesting. Love it. Um, on top of that, uh, it can do the spell uh, mimicry, and I'm not gonna lie. I always read the spell as mimicry. I don't know why. I just do, but it's mimicry for one once per day. Which gives an ability to mimic a 5th level spell or lower that was cast as long as the, it does a DC 19 charisma save. Um, and it will immediately cast that spell back. Okay. Right back at someone? Yeah. Plus 11 to hit with spell attacks. Spell save DC is 19 for this guy, requiring 2 material components and choosing the spell's target. So it can target someone else. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, you hit me with... But it, it's when it's targeted? Uh, it says, immediately after creature, the gargantua can see, casts, casts a, a spell. spell. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, so it can basically just deflect and use that spell. Yeah. But it's, on... it's any spell. Oh, mage armor, boom. Yeah. Right? Like, it can be anything. Bless? Don't mind if I do. Yeah. Once oh per day. Oh my god. Yeah, there are so many little nuggets of Fomorian in here. Yep. It's like the curse, and then like the one Fomorian we spoke about had the spell reflection where mm-hmm. it could just negate the spell. Yeah. But this takes it one further. So I, good. I gotta say, there's so many things that we've talked about that can do once a day or recharge on a five or six or that. We are so late game, it doesn't fucking matter. It should be able to do this four or five times in, in combat. This is designed to be a memorable thing. Right. Yeah. Build your encounter based on it being a memorable thing. So, even though it says once per day, I will listen to that up until CR20. And at CR20 and above, no, all bets are off. Here here you go. That's fair. Like, this will do this. I will put on a once per day, recharges on a 5 or 6. If it recharges on a 5 or 6 and CR21, if it doesn't go off within 3 rounds, it's going to go off again. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, let's roll some dice. Okay. I'm taking me. Oh, Oh, it was a 20. I got an 8. I'm on a 13. I'm 4. All right, Adam. Role-playing inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, so... Your party should be running scared from this fucking thing all of the time. The weird aura is going to be the thing that really messes them up because it's passive. But it takes place at the beginning of their gargantua's turn. It knows this, so it should be teleporting into combat and waiting for the next turn. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's going to teleport in because it's a bonus action. You can do that first. Then you get your two slam attacks. And then you wait. You just teleported next to somebody. They're going to attack you. Flick. And if you don't hit them with the flick, then that's fine. Like, it's it's round one, and the wizard hasn't gone yet. I'm going to hit them with the spell mimicry is my reaction instead. And then my aura is going to fuck up anybody that I'm standing beside. Like, you want to get into combat with this. 388 hit points. That's insane. Mm -hmm. That is an insane amount. The downfall of this creature, though, is is just... 
it the the dex is not great. I was gonna say it's it can be knocked down. It can yeah. be stunned. It can all of the conditions. It's resistant to force and psychic. And, Nobody cares. And only We're not immune, using that. And only immune to frightened. It doesn't yeah. have a lot of those like conditions, so it can anything right. can happen. You can you can charm this one. Yeah. Right. So so when I'm thinking about the role playing factor, as much as you want to be in combat, you also want to get a feel for what's going on first. Right. This, this creature's going to stand way way back, and in a deep booming voice, the gargantuan is going to say, "What do you want? Why?" Mm-hmm. Right. In giant, they're not dicking about. This is not unintelligent. It's only a nine, but that just means that they're operating at a grade nine intelligence level. But like their wisdom is plus three, so it's smart enough not to know to attack you right away. Yeah. Yeah. And it knows you're there. Yeah. Right? Like it's going to be aware of you. So I just feel like this one's going to be a little standoffish at first and because it's chaotic neutral, it's the only one we've seen in a while that's not evil. Yeah. Right? That I feel like it is really going to come at that Chaotic neutrality of curiosity and peace first. Mm-hmm. But I will fuck you up if you push me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I imagine them being like that, that like very calming forest spirit. That it has made a home within this canyon or this beautiful forest. Where it's made friends with the creatures. It's made friends with the folks. It has worshippers and followers. Like they are worshipped because of their size and their care and the fact that they give a shit about the environment they live in, mm-hmm. that if you enter it as an adventure as an adventurer and come across one, it's not going to want to fight you right away. But if you are actively destroying its environment, it's going to flick you out of its space. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's the thing. It's just like, I'm sorry, you came here to harvest my forest? Absolutely not. And it just flicks you all out of there being like, nope, that's not what's happening here. And it's not malicious because it's not going to kill you. It's just saying, get out of my space. I love the idea that it will grapple one character in, like, its hand, yeah. flick another one, teleport over to where they are, catch them, yeah. and put them both down. Now, this has to be outside of initiative, because the action economy doesn't line up, yeah. Yeah. but I love the idea of, and then I catch you, and then I put the two of you down and say, no, no further, this is the line. Yeah. You stay back here. The line in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. I imagine this thing is so large. You know when... When things get so ridiculously large that... Engorged almost? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Heavily. And Mm. it looks like when they move, they're in slow motion until you get the perspective of something smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, like, you know... A horde of deer, like, galloping next to it, like, just trying to keep up. Yeah. But it's just, like, taking the slow step forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, when this thing does go to flick you, like, you will see its hand seemingly slowly move down it's moving fast as fuck but it's got a long way to get down to you teeny tiny little speck down by its big toe yeah and so like it's moving slow but then suddenly you are launched Mm -hmm. in the air i know it's called flick i would love it if it was called boot yeah. Just just kicking you up. I'm so unimagined when he's winding up for like a soccer goal kick, like just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I don't imagine it really does have big changes in expression. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> it looks like What a... affects this thing? Yeah. It just doesn't seem to... it has like the old grumpy grandpa face. <laughs> Disappointment affects it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. But it's not going it's, to... It's, it's the grandpa that turns a corner and sees the granddaughter doing the TikTok dance for the first time. 
He just shakes his head and walks the fuck away. Disappointed. Yeah. Like, even if you, you know, desecrate its lands or something, it is not going to go into a rage or berserk or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It is going to be upset and react, but I don't, like, you have to kind of play it um, mm-hmm. level and monotoned kind That's of That's what I meant before. It was like, it's passive and it's going to be curious and wants to know what you're up yeah. to before it decides that, well, that's unacceptable. You'll have to die. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, it does read that, like, yes, inherently, they're either super good or they're not good at all. But you can almost play that in both the same, like, being. Where they're super passive and caring and, like, yeah, I'll be curious and I'll care for you and I'll take care of my land. But if you fuck it up, I will light you on fire. And then it's like a, it's like a switch <laughs> it's that like a flips. flip. Yeah. It's, it's like, fuck you. Yeah. That's that's I'm going to stomp on you and I'm going to eat you and I'm going to fucking yeet you out of my land. Right? <laughs> All right, for exploration clues. Footprints. Yeah. Like, more so than most giants. Because it's wandering through its lands, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're dealing with footprints. Like, it's, you will see the horns coming from miles away <laughs> moving through the, the trees. Above the trees, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. these are not little horns. No. These are... There is some thickness to those horns, We too. love a good thick horn. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that right there is the sound bite of the day. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm, and I'm going to say this. The animals don't flee from it. No. I don't think so. I think it's harmonious enough with things around, right? So. I like that. Megan, what do you think? Uh, yeah. I, I imagine, though, as well, like, depending on the, its environment that it's in, I know it doesn't inherently speak that it's elemental, but I like playing with the idea that it adapts to its surroundings, similar to, like, the Fomorians, right? They mm-hmm. adapt to the fact that they live in tunnels. Or, like, the elemental ones that kind of adapt to whatever element they're created with. This one, I feel if it was, like, being a forest spirit, when it walks, trees grow behind it. If it's living in a mountain or a mountainous area where lava exists, like, there's puddles of lava that follow behind it. It is an aberration. You have the ability to do this kind of shit with it. Because yeah. it's, it's weird. It's, it's a blessing or a curse from a god yeah right so i this i think is the answer to what fights an empyrean mm-hmm. are you guys familiar with the empyrean we did an episode on it but remind us for those it has been a fucking long time it has been a long time <laughs> it was the very first celestial one. it was like episode 60 something i think like, i was even on that episode yeah yeah the empyrean is essentially a titan it is it is a god child that is gargantuan size and it's it's celestial but it doesn't have wings and it just has the curiosity of a child but it towers over buildings and is incredibly powerful and just by the whim of its emotions wanders through the world Mm -hmm. and it will absolutely fuck you up yeah so this is the thing that fights it yeah absolutely oh man and then like to be the to observe that fight like skill challenge to save as many people in the town as possible and then the as the kaiju are doing yeah. in the yeah. background yeah. yeah absolutely while the battle ensues yeah crazy well combat inspiration for this one well, i went off before about teleporting and slamming and yeah i mean there's not a whole heck of a lot to add the only thing that i would want to like retcon a little bit or add is it's weird aura technically inherently does damage I like the idea that because it is either good or evil, that that aura can either heal or kill. Mm, So if it is in an area where it's with people that it loves and cares about and is all about the peace, it's going to, its aura is actually going to be very peaceful and very healing. I'm going to say it's going to be temporary hit points though and not actual hit points. No, I agree. Yeah. 
But like, and then if, if it turns and suddenly hates you or you do something to piss it off, it will suddenly, like it's anger or it's emotions dictates what its aura is doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of makes it weird. And again, being an abjuration, you can kind of like play with that a little bit. And I, that's the only thing I would add to its kit is that it can do one or the other based on its emotions. Imagine the civilization of medium-sized creatures, doesn't matter who, that worships this guy. Mm -hmm. Because he will sit in town square and they will bring him food. Yeah. And and he just sleeps in town square in like the the garden area and just takes up the entire... And he sits there cross-legged and waits for the clerics to come by and then the cleric casts, you know, something healing or you know, uh, cures a disease of some sort, and then he's just mimicry. Just he does it too. Yeah. Right? And just this benevolent level of of over like watching over a, a civilization. Like, it doesn't have to be violent. No. However, when it is. It is. <laughs> it yeah, is. It is. Well, and imagine even, like, a connection to, I don't know, this this tiny deer that's next to it is just, like, inspiring. It's a massive stag. <laughs> <laughs> this tiny deer. Thank you. That was the reaction yeah. I was hoping for. Um, like, yeah. like, the connection to druids and elementals. So you might have, you as a genasi or a druid might have a connection to this thing. This spirit kind yeah. of thing, yeah. And maybe you have to, at some point, go back to your homeland and seek it out for whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe ask it to support in a big battle against something else. Yeah. But you're kind of connecting yourself back to it that way and absolutely getting it on your side. <laughs> yeah. The, I, sorry, go ahead. The other thing, too, is if you don't go the spirit route and you just go with the pure giant route... This is your entrance into talking to the giant gods. Yep. Why did you make this? Yeah, because they were created. Right? Yeah. Or like that's the his that's the like potential history. One way or another, they were created or blessed or cursed by someone mm-hmm. in their line. Right? I actually don't like the fact this is an aberration. I wish it was just a giant, giant. but titan. Yeah. yeah. Because it was created by gods. So that's what the titan label is. Yeah. And the only other combat piece I want to add to this is, like, the Baleful Hex. Yeah, it seems scary because it can incapacitate someone at a glance with a DC-19 wisdom save within 120 feet. But I think that's its way of saying stop moving. Yeah. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Hold your horses. Let's have a conversation. Right? So you can go either way with that sucker. And I kind of want to believe that it could end it if it wanted. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If things up. if things diffuse, it can Let you end go. it and yeah. and you can move on. Can you guys tell me where the fuck this thing is finding grass long enough for I that was, skirt? <laughs> that was I was gonna bring that up too. It's got a grass skirt on. <laughs> you know that that is a grass mini skirt. And <laughs> look at the size of those hands. It covers nothing. Nothing. It really does cover nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, in comparison to that tiny deer on the side. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It is a large, majestic man of a deer. Oh, it's a perfectly normal size. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. I'm curious why they opted for a grass skirt in this moment versus... Maybe it's made out of long pieces of canvas. You don't know. (laughs) I, I, I actually was looking at it, I'm like, where are they going to get this? And I think it probably dives down into the ocean, and that's seaweed. Ew. No, I hate that. No, because seaweed can grow super big and long. I right? understand, so. but the smell. It smells like <laughs> like 
<sighs> seaweed. I didn't know where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, like, clearly it, it smells, smells like seaweed. It smells like the ocean. Not yeah, great, it, Adam. Not no, great. <laughs> not, not the good, not, not refreshing. No. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Oh, Lord. Well, there can't be any more final thoughts after that, right? No, I'm done. I'm done with this shit. <laughs> I am impressed that we went all the way through this and never said the word girth once. I was so close when you were talking about the horse. Oh, yeah. But then it, it was, went with the I other could one. tell. I could read it on both yes. of your minds. <laughs> We were trying, Adam. I went with the other direction. I, saying I, I love appreciate a good, it. a good large horn. Yep. Well, we're near the end of the episode, so that means it's time for a quick info break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagements like that help us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. So, wine for these guys? I didn't have a type of wine that I could think of for this one, but I all I could imagine in my head was those like large wine glasses that are like the size of your torso. And just filling that with whatever the fuck you want. I was thinking like a cask. <laughs> yeah. A barrel of wine. But I like that, like those images of like the women with the giant like glasses of wine saying it's one glass, but yeah. it's like a gargantuan size of like, wine glass. It's, it's, it's the, the Las Vegas bridal shower or oh. bachelorette party level of wine glass. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like this is filled with 900,000 Belize. <laughs> It doesn't matter the quality of the wine. It matters the quantity of the yeah, wine. Yeah, quantity over quality for that one. But I don't know if Casey had an idea for wine for that one. No, there would be like a little sherry glass to this thing where it's like, oh, this is nice. Would it have a tiny deer <laughs> image on it? Yes. It's a massive fuck. <laughs> well, that's, that's where my, I was going to go. It We're going like, to go the opposite. Because there's like a wine of like... Um, it's a sampler-sized bottle of wine. Yeah, like the fucking like in America, in the states, they have like the six packs of like little wine bottles. Yes, that's what it's gonna be. Yes, <laughs> and so we can believe that we, we are, are this the giants. size. <laughs> Look at how giant my hands are. Pulling <laughs> this tiny bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Anyways, that's all for this part of our discussion on giant adjacent gargantuan creatures in D&D 5th edition. Please take a second to engage with a like, follow, comment, and a, possibly a review to help push our engagement. And don't forget to subscribe to find future inspirations in your campaigns. If you'd like to support us, we have a store with some merch and a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a Patreon. This episode and others can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits. And don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. Okay, we have one more horrifyingly huge creature that I want to mention, and that's the gigant. That's all it is, just gigant. Gigant? Okay. Yeah. That's almost as bad as, no, it's worse than gargantuan yeah. as the name.
This is a flying and burrowing insectile creature that giants consider a plague because these insects prey upon giants. They're that big. In fact, the art has one of these creatures like absolutely dwarfing a hill giant and picking it up. And it looks like a gnome compared to a war horse. Ew. Some giants claim that the gigants are actually products of the weird magical aura of the gargantua. But no one knows for certain. If you want to know what to picture in your head, think of a large, bumpy beetle with talons at the end of each leg, incredibly strong mandibles, and an enormous mouth full of razor-sharp teeth for some reason. These things are unaligned CR-20 monstrosities with a strong AC, a mountain of hit points, and 50 feet walking and burrow speeds, and an 80-foot flying speed. Again, strength and constitution are above 20, and everything else is average except intelligence. It has bonuses to dex and wisdom saves and a pretty solid passive perception and a spell-resistant carapace that forces magical attacks against it to be rolled with disadvantage. The multi-attack includes one mandible attack that does decent damage and grapples and two talent attacks that do slightly less damage and pulls creatures toward it. The mandibles also do damage on following rounds if you're caught in its mouth. The wings have two weird effects. One is a bonus action called Drone that makes creatures with 10 foot, uh, within 10 feet succeed on a DC 19 con save or take thunder damage and become incapacitated. As soon as that happens, the gigant can fly up to 50 feet away or 40 feet away. The other wing effect is called Scaled Dust, which recharges on a five or six and releases dust in a 30 foot cube. Anyone inside has to make a DC 19 con save or take 10d8 poison damage. And even if you fail, you get the poison conditioned for an hour, which has a bonus detail of making it so you can't regain hit points during that hour. That's insane. That is fucking brutal. Yeah. You need a short rest the moment this thing dies. Yeah. If you kill it. If you manage to kill it. Yeah. Or get away from it, right? It's probably just going to pick you up and take you away. Again, this needs a swallow effect because it look at how fucking big it is. Yeah, it's huge. Huge. I don't even know what to say. Like when you when you realize that the 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 creature is a hill giant that it's carrying. Like... Yeah. Yeah, this thing is almost like Tarask size yeah. if you stop and look yeah. at it, right? It's so fucking huge. Where would you come across one of these? Like it, the sky probably. But like in Woon's <laughs> sky. Like <laughs> In the giant land. I bet the cloud giants fucking hate these. Like, you know that they're going to have the entire city on, like, there will be an air raid siren when one of these goes by. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. No, it's it's the idea of just being either... This is a great one that would fly down, pick a character up, and move it to a different place, and the campaign is now to find them. If you need a reason to remove someone from a campaign for a small period of time, this is one. Just have one of these jump down... Introduce giants into your campaign, pluck someone up, and remove them from the campaign for, like, a, a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, this is the Tarasque that can move around in the background of your campaign. Some people may show interest in it, some may not be like, ooh, that's creepy. But, like, yeah, like, it darkens the sky for a while. <laughs> I, I feel like it's not going to eat the adventures on the road, because you're not enough food. It's going to civilizations to eat houses. Mm-hmm. You just picture this thing on the side of a castle. Yeah. Just, like, buzzing its wings every once in a while and just doing that weird, like, cicada shit 
yeah. but on the side of a fucking castle. Yeah. And then, ah, I just, I fucking hate these things. These are so gross. There are a lot of massive creatures out there. This one is at the bottom of my list of what to fuck with. Yeah. Is it because it's a bug? Like, it looks like a bug? Is, is the bug the issue? <laughs> or that it, it is flies? It is it the noises of the bugs? <laughs> it, it's, it's, not, it's not the fact that it's a bug. It's the fact that have you ever known a single bug to hatch? Or do they always hatch by the fucking dozen? Oh, yeah, this is like a swarm, like... Oh. I'm now imagining, like, the mosquitoes on, like, weird distilled water. Like, like, down yeah. like, like the still water. The waters. still water, yeah. Yeah, that, like, they're just in packs. And it's almost like you could walk across them if you wanted to, because they're so large. But you don't know that you're walking across them until they all start moving. Oh, and then you don't want to accidentally pop one. Because yeah. once you pop one... <laughs> it, it, it wakes all the rest of them, right? I had a, um... TikTok video come across my feed earlier today. This is what I'm going to leave you guys. Oh, Lord. Which was, uh, in some places in Africa, they're so protein deficient. There's not enough food around mm -hmm. with solid protein. But there's just an immense number of mosquitoes. So what they do is they swing frying pans through the air, killing literal hundreds of mosquitoes at a time, until they get about 500,000 mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. At which point they turn it into a patty and they cook it up and put it in a burger. Delicious. And they will eat these fucking things. And they are mosquito burgers. And they are black because that is the color of the body of mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. So, and apparently super high in protein. Like seven times healthier for you than a regular burger. Still would not eat. No. no. Still would not consume. I no. Don't, I don't know if I could do that. When I when I was in seventh grade, I had uh, we had like an international food day at school. And I, w I tried just about everything there. I did the like... Like deep fried or uh, sorry, sun dried uh, iguana. I had uh, snake. Like they, they just brought in all like weird stuff, you know, for in our culture. I could not eat the bugs. There were many bugs that were dipped in candy or chocolate or whatever. Not, nah, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm drawing the line. Yeah, there's something about it be sometimes being too squishy and then too hard. Like, it's it, the crunch and it's then the it's the squish. Yeah, it's the crunch I don't like. <laughs> it's it's not good. And, like, I feed my geckos crickets, and every once in a while, you'll get a crunchy one. Yeah. Right? And and the crunchy ones don't just crunch, they pop. And they will leave a smear. It will shoot a little bit of fluid out from yeah. it. And I go, that was too gross. That's why I feed them the little ones. So they don't have that hard carapace yet. So, like, it's just in the mouth, and then they're gone. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I don't like it. Gross. Lord. Gigant. Gigant. Disapprove. <laughs> do <laughs> not recommend. <laughs> 10 out of 10, do not recommend. Can you imagine a chocolate gigant? <laughs> Can you imagine that amount of chocolate? I want to. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to say anything to lead into that? No, I just fucking take off. Like, After like the we, we wrap finish. the whole thing and then I'm like. And then you go into it. Like yeah. a freight train. Okay, cool. Love um, for the very first time. Yeah, I don't know where I was going. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you picked something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just rummaged around in your bag of holding and said, this is what I have. <laughs> Better than the freakish creature in the bag. <laughs> The bag man. Yeah, the bag man. What a fucking creepy thing to have. Um, do you have a cold open for I don't. Us? No. What the fuck, Megan? Yeah, when you said <laughs> I have a cold open, I was like, I did not for mine. <laughs>
Sorry about that. Um, I can think of something. I got one. What's up, my guy? All right. Without any context whatsoever, how big is too big? to another episode of It's a Mimic, where we continue our We got four words in, and she fucked it up. <laughs> I tried, I tried to cover it up. Can you just read it? <laughs> That's a big ask. It is! Okay. You had one glass. It was a big That's glass. Weird. I thought it was going to die. Was, <laughs> yeah. It was bitch. too... Big Megan. That was too big. It was too big. That was the thing. My glass of gin? Too big. (laughs) Anyway, that's all for this part of our discussion on not Fomorians. (laughs) (laughs) Take that. (laughs) Okay, I'll just change that. Ooh, mine is mine is changed. Yeah, mine's too. You're on the wrong one. Ah, well, that's fine. Oh, two sixty-one. There we go. Let me scroll down. No, I got it. I got it. So ugly. <laughs>